Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This episode, as always, is brought to you by Live Casino, and I am recording this, as has been the case all year, between the late games and the Sunday nighter. Folks, football season is here, and Live Casino is where FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sports betting app, comes to life. Step up and place your bets at our self-service kiosk or with a sportsbook representative. Then cheer on your team and catch every heart-pounding moment of action on our huge 40-foot video wall. Bet, watch, and win at Live Casino Pittsburgh, Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Unfortunately for mine and your viewing pleasure, I was hoping Lions-Packers would be a a play-in playoff game, but the Lions have been eliminated. That's not what you're here to listen to because the Steelers have been eliminated too. Which is, gives me mixed feelings because, boy, I think this offseason and all of our podcasts going forward are going to be much more positive than negative. A lot to get excited about with this team. You win seven out of nine. You have a young offense, rookie quarterback, but you didn't get the breaks you needed to get in the, into the dance, and so be it. So, as always... I have a bunch of notes here. It'll be kind of all over the place, but these were my pregame notes. Which Watson do we see? You know, is he going to look like more and more like the Texans Watson? Time to throw. If you didn't listen last week, he's at the bottom of the league in terms of holding the ball. He had to go further that way in this game. He had the ball forever. I can't imagine what his average time to throw in this game. And he's also been going, again, these are going into the game. He's been very bad under pressure. Well, a lot of these things held up. And yeah, he was hard to get on the ground. He made some plays. But all in all, his style of quarterbacking in this game is hard to live with. I mean, a lot of changes need to be made for him. You can't hold the ball that long. Uh, Steelers pass rush to me is interesting in that I do think there were times when they were happy just keeping him in the pocket, but it resulted in very long time to throws and then there were times they just couldn't get him on the ground and then there were seven instances where they sacked him you know so <laughs> the pass rush was good but it was also mixed in a way um Watson was okay but not great we're not gonna spend so much time on the brownies um no long runs was a huge key for me when Cleveland had the ball for most part that worked out fine 
Batonio versus Cam. People around here probably don't understand how good Batonio is. He's a top two or three left guard in the league. I mean, he's a great player. Cam did pretty well today, though, obviously. Jack Conklin being out at right tackle was problematic for the Browns, but it was something I was noting. You know, what effect does that have on the game? Uh, when the Steelers had the ball, a couple things. Would would they stick with the the run game, especially up the middle? I mean, they're, the Browns' defensive front, especially with Clowney out, with the exception of Garrett, that front seven is horrendous. Um, you know, I also questioned, you know, going into this game, what will the Browns' late game incentives to stop the run really be? I mean, it's easy to say, yeah, we want to, you know, knock off the Steelers. Of course, they're trying hard. But you might be a little less eager to stop Najee Harris in the fourth quarter. And some of that obviously showed up. Uh, Kenny, I just put no turnovers. This one made me crazy and it, it showed up a few times. But my again, these are pre-game notes. Double Garrett, always on passing plays. There were several where they just left Dan Moore alone on Garrett on like third and eight. Like, again, they have one good player in the front seven. And he's a tremendous player, and they moved him around. But there were several instances, a couple of them resulted in bad things, where they just left Dan Moore alone on Miles Garrett. Like, what are you doing? Um, this is something I'm going to look into, and it's going to be more of a season-long project. But what percentage of the Steelers' first downs that they get on offense come on third downs? Because, like I said, they're always – they're tremendous converting on third downs, but I don't think that's sustainable. These are more off-season topics, but it was, again, true today. They were in third and long a ton. Give Pickett credit. I mean, they're converting them. It's just a hard way to live, and they, they just rarely get first downs on first and second down, which makes me crazy and is just a hard way to live. Uh, this is a very good Brown secondary. The front seven's terrible right now, but the secondary's good. But, uh, you know, again, pre pregame notes, don't shy away. They didn't. I mean, they, they didn't. I didn't think they backed off in terms of didn't go after anybody. Ward got hurt in this game as well. Um, how about some play action? Maybe, you know, against some backup linebackers. Again, this is first blush. I have not watched this second time. I saw very little play action. I don't understand that. Um, and this makes me crazy, too is sh sh shots on second and short, third and short, especially in situations on third and short when you're probably going to go for it anyway on fourth. So what I'm saying is when you have two downs to play with, it's second and two, it's third and three, at their third and one at midfield, and you know before you snap the ball on third down, you're going to go for it on fourth down. Take shots there. Don't just be happy getting the first down with Kenny diving for the, you know, doing a great quarterback sneak and getting a yard. Like, a big problem with their lack of explosives are they don't take advantage of down distance to, to take shots. And that just doesn't mean throw a go route down the sideline. I also thought the kickers would be a big factor in this game. I was wrong. They hardly mattered at all. Um I don't have a ton of notes in game. I have more for post game, more for going through, you know, throughout the week here. Um, obviously, they had an 11 play drive, the Steelers, which again, this is one of the things I'm going to harp on all offseason. You can't live with 10 play drives. It's just a tough way to live. That's difficult to maintain. In this instance, there were some, you know, 
situations that were extenuating. You know, I mean, you're it's eleven play drive. It ends up with zero points with Najee going over the top and fumbling when, frankly, he scored two plays before that. Should Tomlin have challenged? Yes, and that's very easy to say after you know, you know Najee, who's very very sure handed, ended up fumbling that ball. At the time, I thought, challenge it. This team doesn't score points. If this challenge is the difference between seven or three or whatever, if you if it's going to be in your favor, just do it. But I'm not going to totally kill Tomlin for not because you got second and one on like the one foot line. You're probably going to score anyways. It's a long game. You're expecting a close to the vest type of game as all Steeler games are. Your tight ends are valuable. It didn't go well. But to me, this is more of an example, not necessarily of Tomlin being bad with his challenges, which I don't think he's good at. But this is just a glaring example of when you live in 10 play plus drive situations in order to generate points, you're walking a razor's edge because you just need one little bad thing to go wrong because you can't make up for it with explosions. Um, Again, I don't have a ton of notes through here. I'll have more for you tomorrow. Um, made some notes. It sure looked like the Browns were playing a lot of man-to-man. Uh, Pickens is getting better in this regard, but Deontay's more the man-beater, and he got more targets. didn't result in much production. Um, I, I kept making this note, Watson's holding the ball forever. And I really was keen to that going in because he was at the bottom of the league in time to throw coming into this game. And his worst game in terms of time to throw was the week before against Washington. So he's getting worse every week with this. Made some plays and made people miss, but it's like, what is going on here? It's just a really rough situation for them, (laughs) not for the Steelers. Um, We are, you know, what point of the, it was, I'm trying to think where I'm at in the game here, but it was late in the game where, it was right on the hold on Spillane, automatic first down. That was the Browns' first offensive play on the Steelers' side of the field. Yikes. Um, and then that, but that drive results in the Joku touchdown. And my note for that one was yet another unbelievably long developing play. Tick tock, tick tock. They finally finds the Joku up. Um, so later next drive, third and five. Uh, Deontay Johnson's flying down on a go route. They run so many go routes. Defensive pass interference, which I thought was a very bad call, and I would not have called it. But I didn't realize this, that Deontay Johnson has now drawn more defensive pass interference calls than any player in the league. So it, I, I know Deontay's in the doghouse. This wasn't his finest showing. He's been remarkably unlucky <laughs> with t- the touchdowns and making big plays, but getting dragged on down on a DPI or things like that. But we'll get to more of him, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> here's a third and one right after that. Pickett ad-libs under a, under a lot of pressure by Garrett. Gets it to Warren, you know, not how the play was designed. He converts. And then I just make the bullet. Why isn't anyone helping more on this play? <laughs> this is third and one. They got one good dude and you're letting him wreck it. I, I just don't understand that. Um, so here's another one late in late in the half, second and 10 back shoulder throw to Pickens down the field. Very nicely done. 
not to get super creative off it, but then he does it again, almost the exact same throw, the exact same play call. Why no review? I mean, I think Pickens makes that catch. Instead, they called a timeout. I assume it, you know, they couldn't review it because it was under two minutes, but I was a little confused with that whole turn of events. Were they hoping that the, the refs would, you know, would, would review it or what was going on there? So, okay, halftime as we do with halftime stats at this point. They're not particularly telling, to be honest with you. Pickett was six for 15 for 114 yards, one touch, no picks. Watson was 11 for 17 for 138, one of each. Najee was nine for 24. 63 total rushing yards by the Steelers at half. Chubb was 6 for 39. They had 56 total rushing yards by the Brownies. Time of possession was pretty equal, 15-48 for the Steelers, 14-12 for Cleveland. Yards per play, 5.4 for the Steelers, 6.6 for the Brownies. Total plays, Pittsburgh 33, Cleveland 29. First downs, 10-9 in the Steelers' favor. Third downs, uh, Pittsburgh was 500 yet again, four for eight. Cleveland was also 500, three for six. Penalties, Pittsburgh only had three for 15. Cleveland had five for 39. Each had a turnover. Um, I was a little shocked that the Browns at this point, of their 28 first half plays, 17 were throws, 11 were runs. I don't think that was particularly smart by them, to be honest with you. And at this point, Kareem Hunt was questionable to return. I don't think he did return from, I kind of lost sight of it, but I don't remember seeing him after that. Um, and then the second half starts and I start making notes like Najee is just gouging the Browns at this point. Is Cleveland still interested in stopping the run? You know, it's their last half of football for the year. And then it's third and nine. And I write before the play starts, is this going to be a red zone stall? Just had that feeling. We've seen a lot of that. Yup. Garrett, sack, one-on-one with Moore. Seriously. 13-7. It's crazy to me. It's third, it's third and nine in the red zone. One of the most important plays of the game. The whole world knows you're going to throw, and they leave Garrett one-on-one on Moore. I mean, if you're going to have the gentries of the world on the field, have them help. Um, again, they start the next drive at the 25 Harris and the O-line are just utterly dominating. Big holes. He's running like a different player. Like he's playing, he's running like the player we've seen lately. Maybe if not better. Browns don't want a whole lot to do with it. Third quarter ends. At this point, the Browns have six yards of total offense in the second half at the end of the third quarter. Then, then you see the Fryermuth injury. That's something we're gonna have to talk about down the road, but didn't look good. Um and that was probably the end of my notes. And frankly, the last half hour of the game I was watching Dolphins and you know the other games as much as I was the Steelers trying to balance that because it was pretty well in hand so we will take a quick break and we'll go over the final stats and a handful of my notes I have returned for the game. Kenny was 13 of 29, 195 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Not bad, but I keep saying this about this guy and we'll talk more picket tomorrow, but 
he just doesn't put up any numbers. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. He only completed 13 passes, and he missed a lot of throws. This was not his best game. But even on his best games, I always look down at the box score, and I'm like, he still has no numbers. It's mind-boggling because there's no explosion. Um, Watson ended up 19 for 29 for 230, two of each. Harris is another one. Really good game by Najee. I've been praising him this whole podcast. At 23 carries for 84 yards, but for 3.7 yards a carry. You know, like, that's terrible. 3-7, you know, 148 rushing yards for the team. Like, his box score and Kenny's box score always looks worse than their tape. And it's just such a trend, I can't not talk about it. Meanwhile, Chubb, who's maybe the best ball carrier in the league, he was fine this game. He wasn't tremendous. He was pretty darn good. He had six, He had 12 carries for 77. Should have had more. But he's averaging 6.4 yards per carry. Like, I bet that shocks you because it shocked me when I watched it or when I looked at the final stats. I'm like, Chubb averaged 6.4 per carry. Najee ad- averaged 3.7 per carry. Who had the better game? I'm not certain. But yards per carry is pretty in- indicative. And they're like night and day. He also caught five passes, Chubb. He was their most targeted player, and he's not much of a receiver. Um, they had 134 yards rushing total. Uh, at the end, no Steeler pass catcher had more than three catches, but 10 targets for Johnson, six for Pickens. Cooper only had three targets, Amari, uh, and one big play. He, he scared me because number one receivers, and maybe this is the first half of the season thing, is, have ripped up the Steelers, but it's been a while. Uh, seven Steelers sacks and could have been a ton more. Two and a half by Ty Smith, two by Cam. Only one Brown sack in the final box score, but Garrett was much more disruptive than that. And his one sack we did go over. First downs, 23 to 18 in the Steelers' favor. Third down conversions. Steelers again were over five, over 50%. Nine for 15. That's tremendous. And many of them were third and longs, you know, third and eight, third and twelves. And I'm not saying it's fluky, and I will say Kenny has a lot to do with it, but living a life where you have to convert more than 50% of your third downs is not sustainable. The league has shown us this year after year. That is not sustainable. But they've basically been doing it now for two months, which is remarkable and impressive. The Brownies were 5 of 12 on third downs. Steelers ran 67 plays opposed to 58. Yards per play. Cleveland bettered them 5-3 to 5-0, but that narrowed quite a bit in the second half. Penalties and was all said and done. Only four for 20 for the Steelers. You'll take that all day long. Nine Browns penalties. Only for 65 yards, but nine's too many. Time of possession was almost equal. Steelers were just under 31. Browns were just over 29. Um, We've talked about this a lot. I just have to throw it out there because it's crazy to me so odd to lead the league in interceptions but have the fewest fumble recoveries in the league it's just a, an anomaly i would much rather it be that way than the opposite turnovers i mean fumble recoveries fumbles in general are much more random so that's the better side of things i wanted to mention the refs too i didn't think they had a good game at all that cam call was abysmal but it made they made up for it because ogan joby gets sack was dragging Watson down by his face mask. I don't know how you miss that. I thought a lot of their defensive pass interference stuff was wrong, either called and shouldn't been, but way more often could and should have. They missed Najee scoring as well. I thought this was a terrible game by the refs. And 
I, I think the better team won. I'm not, you know, saying that's the reason Steelers won or even the playing field. Steelers got screwed. It was just not a good performance by the people in charge and the, the uh, white and black. So these are a couple of the next gen stats I got off NFL.com. Pittsburgh got after Pittsburgh got after Watson all afternoon, recording a quarterback pressure percentage of 44.4%. That means every time he dropped back, he was pressured 44% of the time. That's 10% higher than Watson's average fr- pressure faced between 13 and 17. Weeks 13 to 17. Took over in week 17. This was 10% higher than what he's used to being pressured at, which is also a pretty high number. You obviously know this, but congrats to Coach Tomlin. He's finished each of his first 16 seasons as an NFL head coach with a winning percentage of 500 or better. The longest such streak to start a career by any head coach in NFL history. And the Steelers organization has gone 19 seasons without a losing record, which ties the second longest streak without a losing season in NFL history. I'm curious who's number one. I think it's like in the 50s. It's like the Hallis Bears or something like that. Um, but that's a pretty remarkable streak. That's a lot of years. A couple other nuggets I pulled off of Pro Football Focus. So Deshaun Watson took eight sacks. The official box score had him at seven, whatever. And was charged with three turnover-worthy plays and zero big-time throws against the, the Steelers. Pending review, that will leave him with just three big-time throws and eight turnover-worthy plays this whole season. That's awful. That's <laughs> really bad. And I didn't think he was horrendous in this game. It's just, oh, man. Um, Steelers corners deserve a lot of credit to me. Uh, The starters on the outside of corner gave up very little against Watson and the Browns. As a unit, they were targeted five times and allowed just two receptions. Levi Wallace had as many interceptions as he has targets. And James Pierre and Cameron Sutton combined for more forced incompletions to than receptions allowed when lined up outside. So the outside work of the corners was spectacular in this game. They do a thing called rookie spotlight. The only three Steelers players on offense with at least three receptions were all rookies, Pickens, Hayward, Warren. Hayward's 25 offensive snaps were his second most of the season, and he brought in both of his contested targets against the Browns. Um, I've been saying all along, more Hayward, the better. I think everyone's catching on. But part of it also is Fryermuth got hurt. Um, offensive, <laughs> here, here's backing up what I was saying all, for much of this podcast. Miles Garrett may have finished with only one sack and three total pressures, but that undersells his performance against Dan Moore Jr. The second-year left tackle was charged with three pressures allowed and three additional losses that didn't result in a pressure per Pro Football Focus's, you know, first analysis. They didn't help him enough. Like, I don't get that. I'm not saying Moore is a great player or a terrible player. I think we know what he is. You leave him alone against Miles Garrett, it's going to go badly. So a couple, you know, ups, you know, sock ups or thumbs up, Najee, Pickens, Hayward, the entire O-line. I mean, really, really well done. Um Opening a lot of big holes, keeping Kenny pretty clean as well when they don't leave more alone on Garrett. Um, the interceptions by Casey and Wallace, those interceptions turned into 10 points. That's very different than earlier in the season. The Tomlin streak is a thumbs up, no doubt. The uh, outside corner play that we just referenced, thumbs up. I'm sure there's plenty more. Down, 
I think you have to mention Deontay. I mean, we saw some drops here. They tried to get him a touchdown. He's just allergic to the end zone this year. I mean, he beats that dude on a slant, and Miles Garrett bats the ball down. It's like, <laughs> like you're just snake bitten this year. But the drops were poor. Um, I'm going to say stock down, tackling Watson, you know, getting him on the ground. Matt, they had seven sacks. Well, could have been 12, <laughs> by the way it felt. It just, they had a hard time tackling him. He was very elusive. And the Browns left tackle, Jarek Wills, who I think is a higher-end player. He got work today. So, usually I don't do a lot of thumbs up, thumbs down to the opponents until the next day. But, boy, that's a foundational piece for the Browns, and Highsmith worked him. So, there you have it. Um, no playoffs with Steelers, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm not saying they would have went far, but it would have been more of a fun week, that's for sure. They the, the Bears end up with the first overall pick, which gives the Steelers the 32nd pick. Remember, there's only 31 picks in the draft. I don't have it in front of me. I'm going to guess the Steelers are going to pick 17, 18, 19, right outside that 20 range where the playoff teams are. So you're going to end up with three picks in the top 50, give or take. You know, So this is going to be a fun offseason. So that part of it I'm excited to really dig into. And we'll talk more about this game tomorrow. Take care. Over and out.